0: back on the exit 52 podcast it is sunday night december 17th instant analysis baltimore ravens knock off the jacksonville Jaguars, is 23 to 7 in duval county ravens go to 11 and 3 they've officially clinched a playoff berth we've got a uh, full house here sans the uh the titans fan boys how we feeling taylor i'm gonna start with you i feel like uh we were talking a little bit uh in the chat today how you're 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 kind of our uh you're a correspondent as far as the uh, the telecast goes, all the all that kind of stuff. How are you feeling as we uh, start this thing off?
1: I feel. I mean, I feel great. I feel great. I mean, you, you go into a team like Jacksonville that's you know gonna make the playoffs. It's a gigantic game for them. They're on Sunday Night Football. They never have anything like this. And the Ravens made pretty easy work of it. I mean, you know, I know everyone wants them to win every game by fifty, but you stack another win, you. You know, put yourself continually in great position to get the one seed. And, you know, you have a pretty easy second half against a good team. So I feel great. I, I, you know, I understand the want from some for perfection from some areas. But, like, they did everything they needed to do in this game. Lamar Jackson made some unbelievable plays that will remember. The, the, the throw to Likely obviously was was sensational. And he did some other ones. The defense – kind of did what they do. They continue to be one of the most impressive units in the league. And Jake, I kind of feel the same way I did when we were talking at the end of last week, where it's like, what does John Harbor have to do? And I was just like, he's got two of the best units in the league and they're in place for their one C it's like, how can you complain right now? Just a, it's a great time to be a Ravens fan. I, you know, that's I, I, everyone should be hitting the pillow with, with incredible vibes right now. Um, heading into what could be one of the most epic three game stretches in a Ravens regular season we've ever seen. I mean, next week's game against the 49ers is, an epic prime banger. time class that you want to be in. It's a banger of a game that we've had the last few weeks with various combinations, Chiefs-Eagles and the Bills involved. And this Cowboys-Bills game was probably that – was supposed to be that today until the Bills ran over them. But now the Ravens are in that game. And then we'll be in that game the next week against the Dolphins. So I couldn't be more thrilled. It's, a, it's a fantastic stuff.
0: Yeah, just murderers row of team after team after team. And it feels like they've kind of been on that roller coaster going back several weeks. And obviously, they had the uh, the bye week there to uh, kind of rest and recuperate a little bit in between what's been a uh, just a it feels like a, a long season as far as just playing week to week. And it just, you know, they're, they're losing guys here. They're getting guys back there. It's just kind of been one of those seasons. But uh, yeah, I think you uh, you nailed it on the head. I, I'm feeling pretty over the moon myself. Uh, I was talking to Spenny a little bit in our group chat with Cole. This is one of my favorite Ravens teams of like the last several years. Like easily, they just feel very complete. The vibes feel very good, and you got to tip your cap to them. I tweeted the tweeted that out, uh, even a couple minutes ago. Just that, like, after that Colts game, I was kind of in shambles a little bit. I wasn't like super panicking, but I just had the beginnings of this panic of like, are we doing this again? We're we're just gonna do this, blow the leads, and you know they're gonna finish, you know, ten and seven or whatever it is. That was kind of my worry. But to their credit, you got to give the Ravens credit. It reminds me of the Orioles this past season a little bit, where it's like, man, they've just got this murderers row of an AL East to go up against, but they just hang in there and hang in there and hang in there, and they win the AL East and they get that top seed. And obviously, we know how that ended, so we're hoping for a different ending there. But it just uh, it feels like they've got good vibes. They've been keeping it rolling, and they're, uh, you know, they're just an excellent team, I think, from top to bottom. Even with the coaching staff, I know we've gotten on our guy John a little bit at times this year, but uh, Spenny and I've, you know, we, we've gone out of our way I think to give him his flowers in this a little bit the last couple weeks and it feels like he, he's very deserving of, of it tonight Brian how you feeling about that no I
2: feel awesome I mean just generally speaking this was a pretty complete win I think they're playing very good complimentary football uh they threw the ball you know pretty well made a couple of mistakes uh in the first half there but John Harbaugh came out of half with the interview with who is that Melissa Stark yeah. um Pretty much told told her exactly what they were going to do that half. They were going to get the run game going and run it right down their throats. It's pretty much what they did, and obviously it sucks to to lose Keaton Mitchell. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more, but um, the stat sheet will show if you just take a step back and look at the team stats, it'll show a game that wasn't terribly you know one sided, but very much a game the Ravens were in control um, for, and I'm sure the Jaguars did plenty to kind of give the Ravens that that lead and, and kept them out in front. But I love the way they came out in the second half. And and obviously, the the long touchdown with the breakdown without um, Marcus Williams back there was pretty rare. Uh, it's a nice thing to be able to say like, wow, I've, I can't remember them doing that at all this year. Um, but for them to just kind of stick to the plan and maintain control of football and, and get some three and outs and I don't know. There's, there's very few things to really nitpick in this football game.
0: Yeah, I agree. Spenny, Bird's Eye View thoughts.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Ravens roll. They finish the game. They stick the knife in. They win 24-7. to They run for over 200 yards in the second half. They finish with 251 yards on the ground. Three different players, Jackson, Mitchell, and Edwards, all having a 20-plus yard run against a really stout Jaguars defensive front that did give them trouble early in the game. Love the way that Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin and the backs and the offensive line, who was switching guys in and out adapted and improvised and eventually overcame really just silently rocked the baby to sleep at the end of that game. Even on the very final drive, just churning out another couple first downs, keeping your defense off the field, not having to make them go strap the helmet back on there. So Jackson finishes with 97 yards and, We'll get into it in a little bit, but you know, you, you go look at his stats, like he has one passing touchdown, one interception, 76 pass rating. But who is the star of the evening? It was Lamar Jackson. He was the one who made the plays, made ridiculous plays we'll get to. But Isaiah Likely steps up. He had five receptions on six targets for 70 yards and a touchdown. Is a 26-yard absolute snag off the dome of a Jags DB. Rashad Bateman makes a couple plays, finishes with three for 39. And when you peel the onion back a little further, you go see that the Ravens held a very timing and rhythm strong uh, strength Jaguars offense to three of 13 on third down. Jags did convert a couple fourth downs. I held them to 333 yards, which, you know, isn't really blowing you out of the water. Run game got started a little bit. Ended up holding the Jags to 75 yards there and got their hands on the football, pop balls out and go make plays. Roquan Smith, I thought was silently, really strong towards the end of this game in the middle of the field. Mike McDonald got more aggressive in the second half, walking defenders up to the line of scrimmage, blitzing, simming pressure. We see some cover zero mixed in. And a lot of times that left voids of space. And that's where Lawrence rightfully attacked. And Roquan Smith ended at stops is what PFF calls them. I think three times on third down. I think he went and made a tackle, got to fourth down, got off the field on one of them, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Jags did convert one after whatever, but... I thought this was a great game from him. Kyle Hamilton as well was a stopper in this game early and late. And after Marcus Williams goes down, after that whole Jags debacle we'll get into at the end of the first half. But the star players were star players. And then you go see that Lamar Jackson, I think, targeted nine receivers and seven of them had catches on one drive. He threw the ball on Isaiah Likely's touchdown drive. So many crazy things in this game. Uh, Hit five different receivers on five consecutive pass plays. So they are a balanced, complete football team. And I know some people have this weird urge of like, Oh, I wish it was 31 to seven instead of 24. To they just went down to a division leader in December in prime time and rocked them right to sleep, got out of there, took home the win. And then they get to go play another incredible game. Brian, you called that an Epic. That is the best way that we're going to get, see a football Epic like the Iliad or the Odyssey. That is a football Epic next week between two, one seeds that have a little bit of weird history, Super Bowls, brothers, Thanksgiving Day games, some odd things there. So super excited for that one. And I think this team is fun. I think this team is scrappy. I think that they uh, are, they're they're, kind of like the Rock. I feel like this is Rocky Balboa going to go fight Apollo Creed. Like you can knock them down around. They'll keep calling. They'll keep fighting. They'll keep getting back up. And I think Lamar Jackson embodies that so much. And that's why guys love him as a leader. You can sack him. He can throw a stupid interception, whatever. They don't get blown out. And if you beat them, you are going to have to be the one to saving Private Ryan, like stick the knife in slowly and deeply and firmly. And it's going to take a while and it's going to be a struggle if you want to beat this team. So I think this Ravens team is awesome. I think they're fun in a non traditional way. And I can't wait to see that matchup
0: next week. One of the more horrifying, like, kills on a screen that you're going to see the way he's like shushing him, like, shh you're just you're you're dead now like that you know they just i that's a great call by you and also yeah i look at you with your world war ii references tonight uh you got throwing the, them around the bear jew with uh um the teddy teddy ball, teddy game. ball game teddy,
3: yeah. ball, game. teddy oh, ball, yeah. ball
0: game oh yeah yeah no that was that was a good pull by you yeah man they just uh like the what what can you really say about them that hasn't already been said and i mean like really like you guys kind of hit the nail on the head there. That this next coming week that really is going to be a big time measuring stick and we've been saying it all season and really when it became clear what kind of teams both of these squads are going to be when you talk about the ravens and san francisco that is going to be quite a game that is, uh, really is going to be something and as of right now you know i'm not super confident that the ravens are going to go in there and win we'll certainly see what happens towards the uh, the end of the week but if you can go in there and you know show that you can play with those guys that's going to be very big but as of right now you're 11 and 3 you're still the one seed you're hanging in there and i mean they do this after a day in which Cleveland pulls a win out of their keysters, and uh, my guy in the top right here, you know, his his number one boy uh, with the uh, the touchdown there in the fourth quarter after a suspect performance. Let's just call it. Uh, we'll call it that there. But Ravens are they're they're hanging in there, man. And you make the uh, the Rocky comparison. That's great as well. They just hang in and they play close games, and sometimes they lose them, and everyone wants to freak out about the uh, the the blown leads or whatever. I saw uh, Spenny's uh, favorite guy Ben Solak tweeting something about win probability and how that compared to uh of their three other losses but they're 11 and freaking three man what else is there to say somebody somebody else you know let's hear the conversation in whatever direction we want to go in tonight we don't have to uh we don't have to you know taylor rock.
3: taylor this is this is where we need you terry mccauley number one nbc, <laughs> NBC I, can't, I can't wait to hear that nbc we have such a nice it's just the dichotomy of such a nice presentation in terms of graphics package and how well they manage, kind of cutting through the game into such just an odd
0: crew of odd. Well, speaking balls. of uh, speaking of NBC, we had somebody appear on NBC tonight. I, 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 did, I missed that. I will say
1: I missed that. I was. I, I did was too. God.
0: Eric, Eric put it in the chat for anyone listening. Uh, I, I guess really like watching too, like. <laughs> If you, you might have missed that they they showed the uh the the montage of Ravens fans uh celebrating the Tylan Wallace touchdown last week, one of whom is on screen right now that may or may not have taken uh most of his clothes off and had himself a day there. But Taylor, you can go ahead.
1: No, I I was gonna say on the Macaulay thing, I, I know people are like coming from Macaulay's head. I in that situation, I mean, that's kind of what you want your referee analyst to do like standing for your opinion there i I, it like it really didn't bother me i know they kept kind of going back to it but it's a huge play in the game you know theoretically it's jacksonville's last stand good for terry look good for terry for standing there getting in touch with the league office and going you're wrong league office you're straight up wrong i i really didn't bother me i know i and for the most part i think the broadcast was fine i think um people just hate collinsworth so they just like to, and it's cause he's a little overexposed. Um, I think he was fine tonight. I think he p- couldn't appraise Lamar Jackson more if, like you're a Ravens fan. He thought Collinsworth was biased after tonight. I mean, I don't really know what to tell you. I mean, he fawned over Lamar for essentially the entire time. Um, and I disagree. I know the comments are saying they, that they wouldn't shut up about it. Like, what else are they talking about for that three and a half minutes? Like, the game has ended once that's over. They're well, going to they go back be, right. uh, The entire and they, stadium was empty. Also, the Jags fans all it, left. It also didn't prevent them from doing a soliloquy about the Ravens for the final two minutes. So well, if you thought you done. were missing your soliloquy, you got it. Like, you got like, the soliloquy about every single thing. <laughs> Collinsworth called Lamar essentially the second-best quarterback in the league, which is what everybody wants them to say because he's not going to say Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, so he's not going to – getting ranked over him i just i don't i thought it was over people are over critical macaulay i'm gonna defend macaulay
0: where is the macaulay. where is the pixar comparison where is that graphics package because well i know,
1: mean that just a ridiculous free advertising for disney espn
0: is probably doing backflips Who you know those executives where's
1: here. the where's the where's the peacock th- uh streaming thing that they needed to get an ad out for yeah where's the, the, biggest, the uh the the biggest watch biggest problem for, for NBC is
0: season three you got to pay for the extra tier for that yeah, they just the haven't figured out this. Jim uh, made this <laughs> Yeah, that's our comparison. Yeah, here,
1: here's the – we have the final season of Suits you can't see on Netflix, so please come watch it here. That's all we have. <laughs> um, or watch Premier League mornings. I, I just – I think that I, I – the NBC broadcast is just a situation with the studio show that they just have not been able to figure out. Um, yeah. So, true. yeah. I And like I said, like I didn't agree with Terry, but I appreciate Terry defending his point. And now NBC is going to have to go out and defend him if they run. did you guys – what did you guys think about Terry? What did you guys think about Terry?
0: It's just like the whole the whole conceit of like, hey, we're gonna throw it to this guy who's gonna give you every you know every bit of information that you need to know about this thing. That these guys who call this thing and are hypothetically in charge of this thing or supposed to be in charge of this thing don't even know themselves. I could just do without it. Like, let's just do away with that whole thing because all of this is so subjective to begin with. We want to act like yeah. and we wanna we want to add all this legislation in and we want to say. The rules are, you know, objective, but they're not. It's super subjective. You can't pin it down to any one human being. And really, the only human being that matters in this situation is the ref on the call, the head ref making the call on the field. And what he says goes, and that's the end of it. And we can complain about it all we want. We could talk about them being full time. Maybe that would help. But until that happens, it's just a totally subjective process. No one's going to have any accountability for it. And it's just the way that it is. Also, so-
1: by the way, no one has ever stopped watching the NFL because of the officiating. Yeah, no. If anything, <laughs> if anything, the debates about the officiating gives more people things, gives people more things to talk about. I can't speak. It's almost midnight. It is midnight. Gives people more things to talk about to continue to talk about the league. So, like, there was, you know, there was no, I mean, you know, when they had the replacement refs, that's all anybody talks about. People just kept watching to watch how the officiating was going to get messed up. So it's like they, the NFL just can't lose. So they might as well, I, Jake, you're totally right. Maybe you do away totally with like the guys in this role. Um, I do think that for the more casual fan that maybe doesn't understand things rule to rule, your Pereiras and your Sterators can come in and explain things in ways that like when Romo, and like is, has his head in five different places. He can't figure out how to explain a rule. I do think that plays a part in educating fans about, rules and regulation i think that's become a very good part of a fishing analyst i do think in this role where things are like millimeters apart that person is in a tough spot because we can all see all the same replays they can so it's a a pretty interesting i
0: used to uh it's funny you mentioned pereira i used to like pereira because they'd cut to him and he'd have like the camera angle where he was like a thousand yards away and it looked like he was in the champagne room like just kind of sitting back like you know just riffing with the boys on those so I, i liked pereira on it but other than that it's been pretty hit or miss. Obviously, Mike Carey. What a maligned run for Mike Carey in this role. And he was really one of the one of the pioneers of all of this. So it's just like it, you know, I we don't have to belabor the point. But yeah, Terry McCauley was belaboring the point a little bit. And uh, I think NBC, probably the people in the truck could have cut away from it. But really, you, yeah, I mean, they made a decision. Away.
1: They made a decision to be like, OK, we have nothing else to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. It's,
0: there's nothing that. to talk about. What are we going to do? Cut to the people in the, the pool again that, you know, <laughs> this pool there and, you know, people filtering out of the stadium at midnight and in, uh, in Jay Vegas there. Maybe maybe not a whole lot to talk about. So I get it. The,
2: but. the running complaint every week is that the people in those roles are just shills for the referees on field.
3: I think your mic went to cut out there a little bit. Brian. It started to come
0: back. It started to come back. This is, we're building the plane while it's in the air. Is it
3: back a little bit? Yeah,
0: a little bit. Yeah. Sounds like it's coming yeah. through
3: your computer That's- instead of your mic, perhaps. But I believe that despite all of those things, I enjoy Chris Collinsworth tonight. I love his love for fellow fighting Irishman, Kyle Hamilton, who I thought was outstanding in this game too. And the. And Tirico is right behind him in it. Tariko is like setting him up every single time. Tirico, him Hamilton.
0: and Tirico are boys. Tirico did that video with Kyle Hamilton over the off season where they were like playing golf together. So that was cool.
3: They did, and I think that Collinsworth nailed it. They got to, they've got they seen Hamilton. He's been one of their headliners in, what what is this, two out of the last three weeks on Sunday Night Football. They just saw them a moment ago. And I think that Kyle Hamilton's performance tonight was incredible from start to finish for him to have that knee injury against the Rams, try to play through it. The Ravens have purportedly held him back from going back into that Rams game. And – Makes you feel a little weak in, in the tummy when you know a guy like Kyle Hamilton. You know, did the Ravens need this game? Probably not. It was a really nice to have it game, but is able to flip his hips. You know, Marcus Williams goes down. Kyle Hamilton can go flip his hips in the deep third. The reason for that entire Terry McCauley play was because of Hamilton's diving effort, tips the ball, delays it, forces Ridley to bobble it. So truly, a uh, absolute display of the game of inches. The grand summation of football. We always come down to it's a game of inches. Kyle Hamilton's fingernail, his half inch fingernail pokes the ball on a diving play. Calvin Ridley's floating hip knee that McCauley was in his head about. Um, and at the end of the day, guys, that's the definition, Terry, that's the definition of inconclusive. What is a floating hip? Like he kept saying floating hip. What is that? What does that mean? It doesn't have a real definition. So um you was, think he
1: just said, I think he just sat in the, you know, wherever I'm assuming they have him in the studio. Um, in Connecticut, where NBC Sports is, do you think he's just sitting there? And he's like, I just, I've been raring to talk the entire game. Like they really haven't yeah. brought me in. Like it's every time, time I- he's
3: wrong, when I've watched Sunday Night Football, he goes on these. In uh, no, I am right. This should have been called this. And he said about the kick, uh, the running into the kicker, not giving the kicker an area to land, roughing the kicker, whatever. Oh yeah, earlier. he brought brought him for
1: that. Yep, 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 yep.
3: And he he lingered on that for sixty seconds, and that was at a point in the game where it wasn't out of hand, and there was was still much to do. So uh, yeah, just call me cannon here. He went to the Johnny sin school of doctors there. So
0: very, yeah. very acclaimed school uh, from what I've heard. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know who that is or anything, but I, I've heard good things. Right. And I guess to, to bring it on
3: home a little bit, we see Lamar Jackson in this game, this, and this is what I feel like is different about this Ravens team. I messaged Jake and Coleman was like, this has the feelings of those Ravens losses, where it's like Lamar is not getting the ball out on time and is constantly running around and improvising, constantly throws the bad pick. And from there, was able to just navigate it, and it was smoother and it was calmer within that chaos. That felt so different, and that Isaiah Likely play was truly all-time. I think we saw the the Miles Garrett's uh Genevieve and Clowney play on what was that Sunday night football Two years ago, where they run around, Lamar chucks up a deep ball to Mark Andrews, and then uh, they just, uh, Jadevin Clown just daps up Lamar afterwards. We get an all time moment out of Dwayne Smoot, the pass rusher. Jake, I know you are eating that one up with Dwayne Smoot on the ground. Like, what more hey, do I Raven's, have to do? Yeah,
0: Raven's, uh, Ravens legend, Dwayne Smoot.
3: Ravens legend. If Didn't only the, uh, he,
0: vis- he visited over the offseason or something like that. We're like, oh, yes, he did. Yeah.
3: He did. And for Lamar to just continue being so slippery. I think miles Garrett once said he's, he's covered in chicken grease. You can touch him, but you can't grab him and to just keep making those plays and keep just swinging. And that throw he had to Odell Beckham on third and 10 with a defender bearing down on him and just pipes one right. Knowing that he's going to take a shot right in the chest, right in the mouth and to just get up and keep punching and keep punching. Again, I'm, I'm calling Lamar Rocky from now on. Like, The dude will not stay down. He keeps getting up and keeps coming back. And that relentlessness is something that feels pure and unadulterated. I don't know how else to describe it. When you're watching the game, it's like, okay, every game this year, he has gotten back up and made another play. The defense can let something – the Rams game last week gets up, makes another play, drives down the field. So I, I love the relentlessness of Jackson while there's been so much turmoil around him, guys coming in and out. Really the only constants this year have been him, Linderbaum, to a degree who was hurt, Zeitler, Gus Edwards, and Zay Flowers. Bateman's missed time. Nelson Aguilar, you can throw in there too. So many of these guys have been rotated in and out. And the plays he was making tonight, the time to throw was 3.8 seconds. I think he held the ball over five seconds at least three times, a lot of it in the first half, and just continues to navigate through. And to, I guess, expand this conversation right before we went live, The MVP, and now we're seeing the Ravens push out the MVP conversation. MVP, you know, Jacksonville, Ville's crossed out.
0: Lamar uh, Lamar leaves the field to MVP chance, apparently. I think Josina Anderson tweeted that out.
3: Yes, we have Roquan Smith via Jonas Schaefer. Roquan Smith on Lamar Jackson scrambling out of trouble over and over again. He put the city on his back. He put the team on his back. That's why you paid him that amount of money. And we see Brock Purdy, who the Ravens will see next week. Of course, that game is going to have implications for all of this. but. He is the driving force. He is the engine. He is the reason they're 11 and three in so many different capacities. And I know the numbers, the touchdown numbers aren't there, but it's just so night and day. The Ravens win because of Lamar Jackson's effort. Purdy is not the driving force. We've you know, Without Purdy, the 49ers are going to be a nine, 10 win team right now. Still, maybe not an 11 win team, maybe an eight win team, something like that. But It's just such a complete polar opposite, and I think it makes for good content. I think it makes for fun conversations, and this is what the league wants, these types of debates about MVP going on at this point in the year, and I think that even scales out further to the parity in the NFL this season and the parity the last couple of years and what the product has turned into People are confident in the 49ers to win the NFC. And I get that, but I think they know that there are, you know, the Cowboys are pretty legit in ways they do get dunked on today, but it happens, um, whatever. But the AFC is a crap shoot to a degree. The Ravens are just the cream of the crop so far this year and have continued to be, and probably are going to go wrap up that one seed. It feels like, and the parody at the same time feels thick and the Ravens are just kind of rising to the top of the parody and playing in a lot of, Weird games that they keep prevailing in. So I think there's a lot of fun conversations around this team, around the NFL, around the MVP conversation, and Lamar Jackson in the MVP race is right at the crux of that.
0: Yeah, and it feels like things are kind of settling in. Right. It feels like we have known the type of team that they've been for a couple weeks at this point, maybe even uh, maybe even a month or so. Um, and obviously, they still have a couple tough games in front of them here. But I mean, it, it came down to. All right, get to the buy, and then out of the buy, you've got five ostensibly tough games, and they've gotten through two of them at two and zero now. And obviously, like I said, three to go. And obviously, Pittsburgh is, you know, they're they're probably dwindling a little bit. That might be a little bit of an easier game than it looked like a couple weeks back. But I don't know; they feel suited and booted and ready to take on this this gauntlet, like without a doubt in my mind now. Like like they came out of this thing at two and zero, and obviously it took a. It took a village to go and beat the Rams last week, but I think that set a good tone. And I think that carried over into tonight. And yeah, man, like the offense, I wanted to see some more consistency out of the passing game. Didn't look great, uh, series to series. Um, weirdly, like that first drive was probably their, their best drive of the first half, where they go out there and they're kind of dinking and dunking their way down the field, and it looks solid. And then obviously, Lamar, I think he tripped over Keaton Mitchell, who we'll get into certainly, and the, it stalls out with a field goal. They didn't really do much for the rest of the half. And then um, in the second half, they do have a couple decisive drives. But overall, Brian, how are you feeling about the uh, just series to series? What this kind of looked like tonight? Because it wasn't always the prettiest game to watch, I don't think. But that's the way it's sort of been with this team uh, at times throughout the year.
2: It looked a little disjointed in the first half. Um, like you said, they were firing on all cylinders the first four throws there with Lamar. And then they got down to where the, the field gets shortened. And they just couldn't seem to, to push through or keep pushing forward. Uh, seems like they got away from the the aerial attack a little bit, and the drive stalled out. <clears throat> then it looked like I, if if I'm remembering correctly, the the next drive kind of was similar, where they had some early success and then they just got away with it or got away from it. Um, but I love 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 the way that they drove down the field and got close to the goal line. Obviously, hate the penalty by Simpson um, that put them back in the you know 15 yards back, but that throw so likely. And the previous throw that got him close to the goal line, uh, to Kolar, I mean, I just love seeing tight ends get vertical. Um, cause that's what Mark Andrews brought to the table in the first few weeks with the tight ends with, uh, trying to kind of fill those shoes. We're obviously using likely to his strength, uh, with some of the the throws to the flat, um, not getting too crazy with it, but to see likely make some plays downfield and Kolar get involved a little bit and even have almost had a crack at his, his first touchdown there. But, um, it's really cool to see that they they were able to kind of push through, um, maybe some some of the slog and and stake themselves to that double digit lead there in the first half. So, um, and then I, I mean I talked already about the way they ran the football in the second half. I love the way that they uh, obviously Mitchell was eating left and right, and and Hill got involved, and and Gus got involved. Everybody was eating on the ground, but I also love the way they kind of unlock. They're unlocking Lamar a little more and more here. And as they face great teams, like they're going to have to let him do his thing a little more. I think they've held back on that a bit the first 12, 13 weeks of the season. And um, to beat great teams, they're going to have to let him keep some of those those reads and, and build those in and let him take off when he needs to. And I think we saw a very nice balance of that tonight from Lamar. Um, obviously he's kept in the pocket a handful of times and made throws. There were special throws. The one that Odell that he couldn't haul in was unbelievable. Um, but just generally speaking, I feel like they were very well balanced tonight, which is great to see.
0: It's my favorite approach that they do where, and they've done this a couple of times this year. And, uh, just overall, I think it works very well for the personnel where it is a lot of pass happy in the first half. And then if the script dictates it, they can go to the fresh legs in the second half. Uh, and they certainly did that. I know Mitchell went down in the second half, but they still leaned on Justice Hill, who made a couple nice plays. You got to give him credit. Gus Edwards, a couple nice plays. He scored another kind of vulture touchdown there tonight, which was nice to see. Um, so, yeah, that was great. Um, and Lamar Jackson running a, a good bit in this game. did he have 77 on the ground, something to to that effect? So overall running game looked better in the second half than it did in the first. Finished, finished with 97, almost. 97, 97 yes. Yeah. Yeah, so exact on a big one
2: at the end. At the yeah. end,
0: yep. Yep. That's what it was. And yeah, exactly. So I've, I've wanted to see more of that out of him. I've wanted to see more of this kind of fresh legs. Let's, you know, see, see what we can do with the passing game in the first half. And then if you build a lead, then just kind of run it out on teams uh, with when you have that positive game script. So looked very good overall. And um, yeah, just to, like outside of, uh, it's really, I mean, this kind of was a domination of a game. You had the long touchdown with uh, shout out to uh, Jamal Agnew, Touching tribute to Spiro Agnew, former Maryland governor and the silent majority. <laughs> uh, just uh, th- that one broken coverage. I think the one arm man had gotten hurt on the uh, prior drive. So Gino Stone kind of overpursued on that one. And he got kind of cut out of his shoes and long touchdown there. But other than that, pretty overall just dominating performance. I, like, that's why there's not a ton for me to really say on it. Like, they didn't have to do that much to go and win this game. That It makes me wonder, like... Jacksonville spending you and I were showing them a lot of respect in this preview. Are they really that serious of a contender in this AFC? Cause like after a performance like this, it's kind of hard for me to feel that way.
3: They were missing a lot of dudes. They had a starting corner out. They had a starting safety out Their left tackles out their number one receivers out. I'm, I'm saying Kirk is their guy. Um, I think they were, they were down a lot of guys and a part of this game we haven't touched on. And we had here, Zach Schussler, Schussler, Schussler in the comments. To be fair, the Jags left at least six points out there with two missed kicks. And then before the half bungle, that's what was so, I think I tailed off of getting to this point earlier in one of my many diatribes. That was so, usually it's that so Raven. Usually it's, oh, John Harbaugh is the one in this weird circumstance. Tucker has a kick blocked. And, oh, the Ravens tried to sneak something and then the half ran out on him. No, they didn't have a single thing like that tonight. But Doug Peterson and the Jaguars, who I feel like in Jacksonville is, I guess, a smaller market comparatively, whatever. Maybe not the most Large city,
0: largest city by land area in the continental U.S. People don't talk about that with Jacksonville. No,
3: they don't. Not enough. And it looks like a beautiful city. I've never been there. But oh, yeah. ultimately, Doug Peterson kind of bungles it there. They do have the two missed kicks. So I think that encouraged them to have a sunk cost in their mind. Oh, we should have at least three, probably six. So we need to get seven to make up for the six. So instead of spiking the ball and kicking a field goal, we are going to go try and sneak a play in and then go throw it at Marcus Williams, who, I mean, it's just, if that's, I just don't understand attacking the Ravens in that way either. So I hated what it ended up being. Uh, Someone tweeted at me and asked if I thought that was Trevor Lawrence that made that decision or the coaches from what I've heard on the Manning cast, Peyton Manning has said many times that, you at the end of the day get a suggestion and i think Trevor Lawrence in his equitable state of the jaguars he's going to get a big contract he does win a good bit of games he's the best best quarterback they've probably ever had maybe mark Brunel back in the day at one point but my guy david garard
0: david like, yeah come on what do we doing? <laughs>
3: oh pish posh you too uh but so it's like I'm i don't know good. maybe I, maybe on. That could be well, the kind of thing where Gabbard, it is. It is like, oh, did, did Lawrence get an opportunity there, and did he override or what? And for that to be the call, just
0: he was—he was clearly was like signaling when they were running down. He was like doing this and like calling some stuff, and like I don't know. That's not Spike. Like this is Spike. So I'm pretty sure he was calling something there. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah and
3: it could—it could be the earpiece there. And the part that we did miss, you know, early in this game, I know many people are probably feeling frustrations with the Ravens getting to the line super late, and the commentators did say that the Ravens comms were down early in the game, and it was relieving to hear that was the reason that they were immediately getting to the line with five seconds left in Jacksonville on primetime and not because of uh, hesitancy that we haven't seen rear its head quite so much this year. But um the Jags, man, yeah, they're a little beat up, and you can't be fucking around doing that kind of stuff and not coming out of the half with uh, – you know they get the one deep touchdown, whenever that happened, the third quarter, I believe. but. Third quarter. Yeah, they, they left points on the board three times. You're not going to win football games that way unless it is a, an uh, a, uh, anomaly of a football game. So can't do that. Yeah, I do think you have to
1: give the Ravens some credit, though. I mean, this was a night to bend but not break with the conditions. I mean, you're making a guy try to make 250-plus yarders um, with the wind swirling and all those different things. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think they, like, left six easy ones on the board. Yeah. Um, so you credit the Ravens defense at least for that. I want to just get a quick Isaiah likely thought in here. I think you're see you know, we've talked about this emergence or we talked about a potential emergence after Mark Andrews' injury, and I think you're seeing it. And you're seeing all the athleticism and things he brings to the table. You know, getting some yak or you know, early in that first drive. Um, obviously high pointing the football and that unbelievable throw and the no, 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 yes play by Lamar. Um the touchdown catch, I think he's kind of emerging and um, obviously hope that Andrews at some point comes back, but you know, we, I, his emergence was going to be key if they
3: were going to, you know, continue to have kind of a, a tight end option for Lamar in the passing game. And he's been awesome.
1: So the get presents a, a ton after the
3: catch. And I think Mark has maybe, I don't think he's slowed down, but I think he's a lot bigger than he was. He plays a stronger man's game now uh, yep, by design so agree. that he can block. They don't have a boil or, you know, some other experienced blocker. They have a card, but not quite as versatile there. So having that after the catch ability flash
0: has been awesome to see. And I said, and I said in the chat right when that uh the Yolo throw happened to him, like I've always really loved the guy's athleticism, love him after the catch. I just didn't think that he had that kind of trait that just play above the rim. Mark Andrews, go up and get it buddy ball kind of thing. We saw it on that play at the very least. So very encouraging. Yeah. Yep. And just,
1: and just like he, you know, Collinsworth, I think, overpraised his, like, breaking of the tackle while his leg was getting pulled, saying it's the first time he's ever That was, I mean, listen. I was I, like, oh, I was like oh, oh, boy. all right. it was great
0: in the moment, but he said something to the effect I've never seen this before. I'm like, Chris, you probably have. You played <laughs> yeah, it. You have to have. You've, yeah. you've yeah. been commentating games for 20 years. Like, you probably have seen that. At but least. he kind of showed a little bit of everything. He's out in space.
1: He's quick enough to to, to get Yak when he, he can do some stuff after contact. And obviously, as you said, Jake, I agree with you. The one thing we haven't necessarily seen is him like go up and get something for a guy that's that big and athletic. You would hope that he has that in his game. And, you know,
3: hopefully that continues. But he's got that in the bag, apparently. And that's that's he's only
0: la- going to and he's developing too into like a guy who's turning into a little bit of a face of the team, not the face, but a face where like he's meeting with the media, uh, and he, he and Lamar have really developed a relationship by the sound of it where they're joking around with each other, and I think it was him uh, who appeared with Lamar in the interview with Melissa after the game. Uh, that was Matt Abike. Oh, it was Matt Abike. Okay, uh, an amazing interview, by the way, where, where Lamar Jackson did not know that they had, in fact, clinched the playoffs, and it was broken to him by Melissa Stark, which was great to see. He didn't know that. They, they were telling him for the first time.
3: That was hysterical. Some stuff here in the comments. Question: Do the Ravens keep using Ricard as a blocking tight end, or is Kohler going to get more involved? We also see Kohler go up the seams there. Jags were kind of flooding the middle of the field, playing a ton of cover three, keeping linebackers in heavy boxes, and the Ravens just ripped up the seams. Uh, the Isaiah likely touchdown. Jake erased a John Simpson penalty there. Yeah. Which we'll get to. That was just what are you what are we doing here? What it's, are we it's, doing?
0: It's the Simpson coaster. Like he's going to make big plays and he's going to have big penalties and he's going to miss some big blocks. It's just like a, it's a, a true just up and down with this guy. You 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 never know. Like you never know what's going to happen, but you know you're alive. It's not a flat line.
3: All time flop by Andrew Wingard. There, just flying back off of having his face touched. His entire legs just give out from having his metal face definitely doesn't squat like 500 pounds. Definitely uh, wasn't, you know, definitely not a pro athlete making millions of dollars to play the most physical sport on earth. So it kind of looked
0: like the uh, Tom and Jerry, like when he just goes totally straight and like falls back. Like Yes,
3: it was an elite level flop. I'll give him to that. So the question was, do the Ravens use Ricard as a blocking tight end? Kohler's going to keep getting his snaps up. I mean, Ricard could barely like get into this season. He had to have a hip surgery. He, th- there was some, whispers that, oh, you know, Ben Mason might be the one that makes it over him, all that kind of stuff. I mean, the guy's a battering ram. So I'll say if I had to guess, if someone, you know, put a put something in my head and said, how long is power card going to play? I'd say one more year. Like, I, I feel like, and at this point, you, you want Kohler getting more involved now because then he's an option in the playoffs, a little more experience under his belt. So I think we'll see Kohler snaps increase more. And football is equitable. Harbaugh is equitable. You make a play, you get chances to make more, right? If you make a play, Tylen Wallace made a play last week. He's a punt returner now and did have a very stupid punt return, in my opinion, today. But, yeah, going to get more opportunities because he made a play. Make one huge play, you'll get 10 more chances, something like that. It's not always one-to-one or whatever, but uh, yes is the answer to that. And what else do we have? Haney, Alex Haney here said getting Kohler involved is the next evolution of the offense. I will say, if you are watching – we would love if you watch on YouTube, like, and subscribe. Go ahead and throw us those subscriptions. Smash that subscribe button. Share this podcast with a friend. If you have any Ravens fan friends, we would love to have them join the party. Um, had another couple comments here I wanted to touch on.
0: I wanted to give a shout-out to Rashad Bateman for in that first half in particular when nobody else was really stepping up. Likely had made a couple plays in the passing game, but he's the one wide receiver that really stood out to me tonight. And I know Flowers had a catch. I think Beckham might have had one other. But uh, I know, and I know that he had a couple go off his fingertips, quote unquote. I think they were kind of t- really tough catches to make. Overall, like he—he's a guy who, when they needed a play a couple different times tonight, he was there to make it. And his stats this season are uh, pretty underwhelming overall for a guy who's a former first-round pick and is looking to get another deal. But I don't know, man. He just—he strikes me as a dude who, in a perfect world, is a chain mover for them. Spenny, I know there was some frustration with the fact that they couldn't hook up on that uh, one where he was down the uh, down the right sideline. Um, but overall just, I, I continue to be impressed by the guy, just putting his head down continuing to work and making plays at the sticks. Like they, it just feels like that's been a good role for him and he settled into it nicely.
3: Probably the most emotional that I was this evening personally was when Lamar wasn't able to give Bateman a chance. And I, am going to say, I'll go back and watch the tape. I'm going to say that one was a miss misfire by Lamar tried. He was isolated on the backside one-on-one. It felt like Odell Beckham. We saw him massage gunning his uh, his calf second, there.
0: Yeah, it was the second read. And he kind of just fired it in his direction. I don't know that he was really even trying to complete that.
3: Yeah, probably a little bit more of a throwaway, but it's just like, man, can we see this guy get a chance? Please. What? It's just that made me freak out a little bit. I, I got pretty up in arms about that one. It's like guys one-on-one. You've been saying it for weeks at this point. He
0: was a four-star
3: freaking basketball recruit that could have played in the Big Ten. He can go up and get the ball, man. We've seen it. We've seen it as rookie year. We've seen him go up and get the ball back shoulder him. Please back shoulder Rashad Bateman. I can't it's I'm losing my mind. And then, of course, just the the ebb and flow of Rashad Bateman's career. Lamar looks like a DB getting depth or I don't even know back just back pedals down in the goal to go and then floats a ball. And of course, Bateman is just like can probably get three fingers on it, but not five or five total fingers on it and not like nine. And of course it's just that close and it just drives me crazy. I can't imagine how crazy it drives Rashad Bateman himself. How many times it's right there. And it's always these tough plays. Like you might in the moment be like, ah, oh, he should have made that play. And then you go rewatch it and you're like, that's like a one out of 10. That's like a, maybe a three out of 10 times a guy brings that in. It's just like, of course. And he hasn't been able to make the play. So um, thought he was great tonight. Thought he helped Lamar to your point, Jake work back to the football, but We're still waiting on the play, the Bateman play of the season. And hopefully it's yet to be made in that degree. But just I I feel for him very much so. You got to – I feel like Odell has helped him. And he was very volatile this offseason. He said he dealt with some personal things. Seems even keel. The body language is very good. He's bought in. He blocks really hard. So, uh, you know, my feelings on that guy are are all over the internet. But, man, just, man, just so close.
0: Yeah, just hit it. I mean and like we talk about his rookie season and playing above the rim, dude. I think about like the beginning of 2022. Long touchdown against the Jets, long catch and run against the Dolphins. We thought right then and there like this is the guy. And injuries get in the way and then, you know, this offseason he has like he said some tough personal stuff, more injuries, just all that kind of stuff has gotten in the way for him, but at the very least a chain mover and uh that's nice to see and I mean that's kind of you, you need guys like that. Like you you need competent receivers that are going to help you be productive on offense. You think about Buck Showalter, productive outs for Orioles, productive series for Ravens wide receivers. Somebody come up with that acronym for me. I, you know, it's too late for, for me to do that, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, overall just a, a positive, a positive night for him. So I wanted to shut that out.
3: Definitely was. And at this point we have, uh, another thing I thought was interesting. Ben Solak saying Lamar Jackson on pace right now, finished with 3,700 passing yards, 900 rushing yards, to, I think, Brian's point earlier, it, it feels like and, – and the thing I've started to see from the Todd Munkin offense is that I think they're choosing later in the year to call pass plays. We saw a quarterback draw in there, some more quarterback run stuff. It feels like Josh Allen and the Bills offense. It's getting later, and they've kind of kept it out of Lamar's hands in some of those ways, and now it's like we're actually going to make this a play for Lamar as the games grow more important, the season grows later, the leverage is higher, so – Exactly spot on. They start running some of the read and veer stuff. And uh at this point, man, I mean Lamar can finish with a thousand rushing yards here. We had Deuce 1042 here, who always joins us, said it's possibility runs for a thousand again. And uh man, I think uh Derek Claus and Jake we've interviewed at QB Claus said Lamar runs at 80 percent and prioritizes vision and safety in a way that I've never seen in a runner before. And so many people often talked about what is the what is older Lamar look like when he loses a step or whatever. I don't think he's lost a step, but gets the big contract. He's more important. You're much more important on that contract. And I think that's a great way to put it. He prioritizes having vision all around, not taking shots where he doesn't know where it's coming from, and safety. He always is like running at six, he's always in second or third gear. This it used to be more, you know, second, third, fourth. Feels like the fourth gear isn't quite there anymore. And he's getting down, keeping himself healthy, keeping himself fresh. So you love to see it. He's playing smart. And I thought that was awesome in the second half. They ran for 200 yards on a good Jags run defense in the second half. That is punch you in the face, stand up, and punch you in the face again, football. And it was awesome to see. Justice Hill has looked great, I think, the last couple of weeks too. And I think a big question is now what do they do with Keaton Mitchell hurt? And – My hope is that Justice Hill, who looks great in pass pro now through the grace of God after how terrible he's been dating back to Oklahoma State, looks awesome there. And I think Chris Collinsworth touched on this. He's like, the Ravens don't usually have faster, smaller running backs. It's usually the big bruising types. And even J.K. Dobbins, I would say, is a bruiser more so. And that's who they invested a high pick in. I I hope that Justice Hill is a little bit more awake, who is very fast, not as fast as Mitchell, but awake to the fact that Oh, you can kind of press and then bubble and then sprint to the sideline a little bit more in this Ravens offense. So hopefully Hill, who again, is not quite as electric is able to have a little bit more of a nice vision of what he could do to a degree. And is going to get a ton of opportunity. Him and Edwards, both. um, Well, excuse me. Edwards is in a contract year. I think justice Hill has one more. Go make some money for yourselves. Uh, You know, it sucks about Keaton Mitchell who worked so hard and fought through injury already to get here, but big opportunity again and next man up Ravens have epitomized that more than any other team really so next man up
0: yeah weird spot to be in they've already announced that Melvin Gordon going to be added to the 53 man we've seen a little bit of him this year already and it's been uh not super encouraging and it felt like man like who is that guy that has that extra gear it felt like Mitchell was very much that dude for them um but it goes back to Gus who I think like I said you know that that second half strategy of kind of unleashing him which they've been doing Probably going to have to lean on him a little bit earlier. Going to have to lean on Hill, who I think has looked good, but he's had those mesh point fumble issues, which uh, knock on wood, we haven't heard from those in a while, and maybe that's going to be cleaned up ideally And the pass pros look good. Powerful, explosive. He's not quite as shifty as Mitchell, like I said in our chat earlier, but overall, those two guys are more than competent. We'll see what happens with Melvin Gordon, but it's just kind of the hand you're dealt at this point. Like There's nobody that you can go and get. I think I saw somebody said that it would have been nice to – take that swing on derrick henry but like man they were just hoping the swing would be hey we'll elevate keaton mitchell and see what happens and it did work out for them ultimately but this is just like i said it is sometimes you just get, get delta shit hand injury wise and that's what happened
3: definitely ronnie stanley it appears was spotted by a concussion spotter the nfl has a i think multiple concussion spotters every game. I know they have at least one.
0: Taylor, do you think your guy uh, David Jake Shaw has any thoughts on that or did have any-
1: <laughs> That is my guy. I yeah, a lot of work for him tonight. A lot of work for him tonight. Yeah, I know people were getting after Ronnie Stanley a little bit for for his play tonight, but you hope that it's not anything too serious there um as he came off the field kind of late in the game. I think he just um, got spotted. He they're def- alert. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um and they were rotating the you know the beat writer guys and, and things. They were they were rotating the offensive line a little bit. Um, I thought the offensive line played pretty well. I know we didn't really talk about them a lot. Um, you know Lamar obviously made them look good at times by you know kind of doing his his Houdini acts in the in the in the backfield. But um, I thought they played played decent tonight. And as Spenny said, like you run for two hundred yards, you know against a really good Jacksonville front, it did a great job. Um, and I do think we we've touched a ton on offense. I mean, the Ravens defense just continues to kind of make plays to put away these games um, when they need to. Um, you know, forcing the fumble on Lawrence late in the game kind of felt like that iced it. Um, Terry McCauley wouldn't tell you that; he'd he'd want to head to the to the touchdown um, later. But um, I, I just think the Ravens, the Ravens defense continues to be so impressive, and I've said it a, a couple times in these instant analysis shows. Just doesn't feel like it gets enough love throughout the league, and I know. Defense is never the sexy thing, so that's sort of um, always going to happen. But no one nationally really talks about this Ravens defense. It, Lamar takes up so much of the air, and rightfully so, um, as as quarterbacks do. But just continue to be impressed by what the Ravens defense does, um, even in times like, you know last week, um, you know where they didn't maybe have as impressive a performance. They, they they do things, you know, drive to drive that that impress you. So, um, and, and Jake, you touched on Roquan earlier, or maybe it was Spenny um, Roquan earlier, who who just Game after game is just such a weapon, and you love that they have him locked up long term. It's like God; it's going to be so nice to watch that guy play in a Ravens uniform for a really long time. Um, and I hope they do the same thing with Mister Hamilton. I think it's going to be tough to do the same thing with with Madibike, but um, just so many weapons on that defensive side of the ball. I wanted to wanted to pop that in here. Um, it, just, just this, just this, you just feel so good about this team. I just feel, you know, as we get to the 50 minute mark here, like around midnight and to sort of wrap it up, they, you just feel very good. And Jake, you said it was one of your favorite teams in the recent era. And I would totally agree the different ways they can win games. um, The fact that it's a more, you know, the, the, the Lamar Jackson from the MVP year was such a, like, you know, Haley's comet of a season of what he did. This feels I like your like dream. Like this. Yeah. Feels it's like, dream. how is this happening? This is more of like, and Spenny talks about it, like an in control, you know, the ability to maybe not always be in fourth gear when he takes off, but to be in second and third to maybe play for, play it a little safer, you know, the ability to, I think Todd Munkin is going to do a better job kind of, as Banks said, like unlocking him as we go here. Um, and they were getting to that point of the season where you have to play a team like the 49ers and, 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 and unleash all the stops. You might have to play them twice um, if you get all the way to the Super Bowl. So um you know, credit to John Harbaugh, credit to to the entire organization. They put together a roster that has every ability to win the whole thing, um, and the units they put on the field week in and week out show that. So, um, great win. You know, it, it, obviously you want them to all be these like A plus 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 performances. Um, you know, the Preston grades are just all A's in the sun, but
0: um, that's it has has that ever happened? Probably not. no,
1: probably not. And that's the thing. It's like you got to enjoy this. That's that's the thing. Like we get. And I don't mind people being like critical, but you get in the comments and everyone is trying to find like the one little negative thing when I hang on to. It's like, dude, teams teams eleven and three. It's one of the best organizations in the league for two decades. It's a hell of a place to be as a fan. You could be the Jets. I mean,
0: you could be you living be, such you a bad be football the Chicago like Chicago Bears. Who?
1: Yeah. Oh man, was never which way? So I thought about that. Like when they said when I was texting about this with a buddy, like when you don't feel anything when they say you clinched a playoff berth, you're in a great spot. I didn't feel anything. I was like, okay. Cool. It's like when that when it feels like that, you a great organization. So, my last point of the night.
2: Yeah, they're six and one on the road. By the way, I don't think anyone's touched on that. They're going to wrap up their road slate for the year uh, next week in San Francisco. Could very well be six and two. You take six and two every day on the road in the NFL, no question. So, um, tonight's win should not be taken lightly in that sense. Is that just beating a team on the road by multiple scores? Brilliant.
0: And beating a team that's like in very much in the playoff conversation. Like they're they're probably going to win the AFC South, right?
2: That AFC South is looking spicy. You got
0: three teams at eight and
2: six now. So
0: Spenny and I were talking uh, on the preview. It feels like the AFC South plays a hundred games a year. Like every time I turn on the red zone, like the AFC South is just everywhere like they play the i see the colts and the texans playing 40 times a year i see the jaguars and the titans playing 51 times a year it's just one of the one of the weirder divisions out there
3: it is and uh got through there i mean texans handle business colts gave them a run for their money handled the titans who give them trouble historically to get through both the titans and the jaguars in a regular season i uh, it's not probably not unprecedented but man how many times have the ravens done that after how many times they played those teams brian you tweeted out earlier like it's always the weirdest game in the world it's elvis Doomerville face mask 56 yard field goal it's jimmy smith 200 yards back and forth back and forth back and forth it's the weirdest wildest wettest stuff london they go get smoked by the blake bortles jaguars mercedes lewis has three there's, touchdowns
0: on there's
2: them. a monday night football game and like Twenty eleven, where where the Ravens did not get a first down till like five minutes into the fourth twelve
0: quarter. to three, I think that was. It 12, was really... Seven
2: or twelve three. Yeah. Like go look that game up. Like you have blocked that out of your memory. It's one of the all time bad I football. I
0: tweeted games. before the game, like it's time to time to exercise some demons and just getting inexplicably punked by the Jacksonville Jaguars over and over and over again.
3: It's not just... to skip over last year's game against them where everybody's tweeting freaking out towards the end of this game and
0: Ben Solak throws that thing on you mentioned, Jake. Lamar Jackson, uh, he took note of that when that game happened, like he was visibly angry after that game when they lost and they, somebody brought up the point of like, Hey, you've lost in the stadium. However many times I think you played a bowl game there or something. And he was like, yeah, no, I mean, like it sucks. So fuck that. Like he literally said, fuck this in the press conference. That was like the most like viscerally angry I've ever seen him. Uh, and then he mentioned it in this, in tonight's post game. He, yeah, he, he didn't know that they had made the playoffs, but he did know that he had never won at Everbank field. Or whatever we're calling it these days. Down in Jacksonville, baby.
3: And that one down there, a Bank Field down there. Yep. Jags um, lady was so fired up. A couple of things I want to touch on. Taylor talked about the defense. I don't have numbers in front of me. I imagine the Ravens are leading the NFL in points allowed at this point. Justin Matabike, we have not quite touched on who did put the dagger in. Matabike sets an NFL, excuse me, ties an NFL record with 11 straight games with a sack there and has just been every bit of, an, of another play ender. That's why I love him, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton. Marlon Humphrey came up and started hitting late in this game, too. He's like that, too. But you have stoppers, you have athletic freaks that are intense and have a unique physical skill set. Matabike, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, all three levels. They end plays. Matabike, I think some people, there are a few people that are cold on. A lot of his sacks are on stunts, a lot of his sacks are maybe hunting a play down. A la, you know, TJ Watt gets a lot of hustle sacks and things like that. But those count too, and someone does have to end the play. Trevor Lawrence kind of ran around there towards the end, and then Roquan comes up and smacks him. Adafioi drags him down from behind. Made him pay the price for not getting down. Loved all of those things. Um, and final couple of thoughts I just written down here. Ravens have not allowed 30 points this year as a defense. They have had a, a safety was involved last week against the Rams. They allowed 29, and the Browns had a defensive touchdown. The Ravens haven't allowed 30 this season. We'll knock on wood there for the 49ers, who that could be
0: uh, changing quickly. We'll see. We'll get into that one. Unstoppable force and immovable object right there.
3: Yes, and the final thing I wanted to touch on too quickly was the Ravens' offensive line. Ronnie Stanley, I'm going to throw – this is me throwing this to the jumbo set so that we can do mega culpa and go back about what we were wrong about. I'm writing down for mega culpa. Ronnie Stanley played well. Lamar was running around a bunch, got beat a little tiny bit. I thought he played decently well. It's hard to tell from the TV copy with linemen. I'm going to put that on the board, though, in uh, in pencil to maybe go erase later. And uh, what this offensive line is doing and was able to run the ball late, is in there at one point and looks like he missed a block that uh, ends up getting Lamar Jackson hit down the goal line area. Subbing guys in, subbing guys out. I mean, this team is just doing weird, unique stuff. They have so many players that have returned from injury or beaten up or that they're worried about maintaining and being able to stay fresh. Maybe Odell tonight, we'll see. But ultimately, they have managed this roster and this season with precision to get guys healthy and keep them around and keep them active and all of those good things. So that was all fun and fine to see. Curious about Stanley's health. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Ronnie Stanley some love. Like, we saw that play, I think it was on a poll, where – he clearly like can't bend his knee that much. Like he clearly can't. He has a huge brace on there. And I know the guy hasn't lived up to his contract. The injuries are number one reason why and some other things. Sure. Whatever you want to rip on him, people, you know, go fan how you want to fan, but, a dude's a freaking warrior, man. He's still for out there. To,
0: uh, for anyone that's being super, and I like, yeah, he hasn't played well, but like, just don't get personal with it. Like, dude, read the stories about what happened to Michael Orr after his playing career. That guy, he had concussions, but like, you talk about what happened to Ronnie Stanley with his leg, nerve damage, just like got split in half, basically. And like, he he's still out there playing, and he's still out there working, and like, it, it sucks. They're they're straddled straddled to this contract and all that kind of stuff. It's terrible, but like man, he's still fucking just going out there just grinding it out. Like you can see it's taking a toll on him physically and mentally. Like he seems like a very well thought out contemplative kind of guy. And like, it probably probably kills him. The the career arc that he he's really had. Cause like he could have been one of the all time greats, I think at least in franchise history. And it's a tough situation there in, but just don't like, you know, don't take these guys for granted. Don't get too personal with it.
3: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just pointless stuff, whatever people do. People always do it. So, we can, we can always advocate against, it's a guy that has fought his tail off to not be Taylor Lewan or David Bakhtiari, who suffered some similarly catastrophic injuries for their career. Um, other couple things here, did Mallett get benched? Jeremy asked here, and I'm going to coincide that with Zach Schussler here. Spending what happened on the bomb TD play. To me, what I saw on the camera angles was that it was a three-man um, some people call it a scab coverage. It's going to be outside leverage inside leverage and someone cutting the difference. And it looked like Gino stone just maybe was trying to bait or bluff a little bit too much towards the middle of the field and didn't get back around as quickly. Or maybe he saw an indicator that made him think it was another route concept coming. So mallet stayed in the flat, which <sighs> that could have been a mistake. This is why I need to go back and watch. That could have been a mistake. Stevens took inside and then Gino stone was just on the roof in the middle of the field. Jamal Agnew's an electric returner, so throw him the ball downfield. He's going to dance on you. I had a couple huge returns in this game. Not huge, but sizable returns in this game quietly, too. Someone I feel like always gets open against the Ravens and makes plays against them and just always happens to work there. So that was an interesting one. And uh, it's just funny. Like, it was so shocking. Like, I felt shocked that they blew a coverage that badly. That's how you know they're a really good defense. I was shocked. I was like, oh, my God, that has not been happening Cooper Cup last year or last week had one a little bit, but that was quick. Underneath, you know, miscommunication and he took off. That was egregious, and I'm kind of happy that happened. Like shutouts are great, but I'm happy that somebody's getting bitched out, and you need that. Coaches live for that. You need that. You need that. We need to get better. We. Shows you. I think it
0: shows you the impact of the one arm man too, who is quietly. He's kind of he faded into the background at times this season, but he's very important, and that shows you. It it certainly does.
3: Marcus Williams made plays in this one, uh, and most notably that tackle keeping the Jags receiver inbounds to get out of there. So, groin injury for him. It looked like he got splayed a little bit. I,
2: Yeah, I think the guy just landed on
3: the inside of his thigh. I've been doing my yoga, and man, oh. I can tell you that one doesn't feel good. A good well, it didn't as look as well. good.
0: It looked like it just like whipped and something might have, might have popped out there a little bit, which, you know, yeah. you, you groin injury. You. Hopefully, you it was have... a pull and not a pop. Yeah, we don't have to double click on that because that it yeah doesn't doesn't look great. I'm squeamish.
2: Interesting um tidbit that I, I'm just kind of putting together here. Um Lamar's 24 pass attempts tonight brings him up to 401 on the year, which matches his career high, which was 2019. He has 266 completions this year versus 265 in that 2019 MVP season. Uh, 3,105 yards after tonight. That's pretty close to the 3,127 in 2019. Uh, Obviously, he's played 14 games to this point. He played 15 in an MVP season. Obviously, has far less passing touchdowns. Same amount of interceptions. Um, And then the the rushing yards, he's probably a good 400 behind that mark, but – I guess as we just contextualize the season for him to you know year to date and kind of put it against some of his past accomplishments you know not far off but we can definitely see where he's he's a much better Everything now. on
3: paper is factored in. All of those things are factors when you're talking about MVPs and all pros right. and things like that.
0: I guess I'd question how many like touchdowns within 2 yards does Gus Edwards have this year. Uh,
3: that's that, and that's what I was going to say so Mark yeah. Ingram did have 15 touchdowns that year though.
0: Okay, fair enough. I think five of those were receiving, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, like, what is that, 10, though? I mean, that's still quite a bit. Gus is probably right is
3: Gus has a cool, at least I'd say eight from inside five yards. Justice Hill, I think, has a couple. Um, I mean, there's just been a handful less
2: of those just gangbuster offensive games. Like 2019 just was an anomaly. Jackson
3: fives, yeah. So call them what it is. Yeah, he's up there. And the the thing we said, too, is that it's difficult. When you want to talk about the MVP conversation, he's already won one. And everybody, the MVP feels like the number one shiny new toy award always in the NFL. And so I think that if the Ravens don't handle the 49ers and Lamar just, if Lamar is the star of the game, at the end of the day, he's the one who gets interviewed and he's the star and they win, I think he will win the MVP that is probably you know the ravens i think would probably be four and a half maybe five and a half point underdogs in san francisco uh, if i had to guess and if he handles business the narrative is going to shift the narrative is controlled by those who are voters it is the media that is a media award so all of those things and we have engineering designs here in the comments says next week determines the mvp um yeah and yeah. then it says
0: Lamar versus CMC, but it actually is Lamar versus uh Brock Purdy, who is just Purdy is
3: minus 110 now, which is the heaviest favorite we've had throughout this NFL season.
0: Yeah, so I mean that's that's quite something. I mean, I honestly like I want Lamar to win it, but if Purdy won it, I would I would just need to see the takes. Like I I, I wouldn't get down into the trenches, I would get up to a high position and look down on the battlefield because that would be uh that would be an all time war of the ages of the takes. Steven Woods leading the charge.
3: on one, What else are you postulating over there, Brian? You got some eyes moving. What else is cooking in that noggin for oh, you? Guys? I'm just
2: cooking up the New York Times uh, playoff predictor formula simulation bullshit. What's it got on there? 76% chance to get the one seed at this point. If they beat the Niners, that goes up to 91. They lose, it goes down to 67. Uh, Cowboys-Dolphins, obviously a big piece of the puzzle there on Sunday afternoon. So.
0: Ravens open is five point underdogs in San Francisco I nailed that one there we go yep
3: so that's all quite exciting Ravens handle the Jags if you are new here yes we are a Baltimore sports and lifestyle podcast I had a quite a bit in here looks like we got 250. happy to have you guys we are presented by Jimmy seafood definitely check them out if you are watching still like and subscribe support the fellas the easiest way you can support us is by subscribing on YouTube. We would prefer if you could watch all of our podcasts on YouTube, we typically record after Ravens wins. We do this instant analysis. We record the jumbo set, which comes out every Wednesday morning. And then we do a preview, which comes out every Friday morning. We will bend those. If there are changes in terms of the Ravens schedule, things of that nature. We also cover the Orioles and again, Baltimore sports and lifestyle, some Terps. We'll cover some wizards here and there, some caps. There's some stuff going on there. So would love to uh, have you join the page. All of those good things. Make sure to follow us on all social media. I'll run the banner across the bottom there for you. Fellas, anything else before we get out of here about this game? How are we feeling? The 49ers game is, I mean, we've been looking at this for a month or so. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's as, just, you it's know, the time. One matchup.
2: Outside of the records, just the style, the way these teams play, the defense, the way they tackle, and some of the stars on that Niners side.
0: You know, what's so funny. Who was the team that was like the big heavyweight team for them back in 2019? 49ers. They came to Baltimore, massive game, all just an absolute fucking heavyweight drag out fight in the ring, Justin Tucker game winner. So, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. I think this 49ers team is exceptionally strong. I think they're better than the Ravens as of this year right now, but we'll certainly see how that plays out on uh, on Christmas night, as it were. So uh, how do I feel? Feel freaking amazing. I mean, they're eleven and three. They're in the playoffs. You can't ask for much more as a fan. So you want to appreciate that. But you also got to keep that perspective. A lot of football left to be played, and uh, you know their their biggest test all season, uh, and probably until they get to the Super Bowl, if they're lucky enough to get there, is uh, facing them down this coming Monday night. So it's uh, there, there's a lot left to be played, and you know what? We should be thankful for that. Like I said, we could be Bears fans, could be Browns fans, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's all, you know, it, it's all gravy right now. It's great.
3: Certainly is, and with that, I think the show is gravy. Great job, fellas! Love you, boys, and love all you listeners. Jake, if you want to get us
0: out of here, I do. You can, uh, as Benny said, you can uh, check us out on YouTube. I, if you're listening to this right now, you're already there. So go ahead and uh, give us that subscribe. Uh, drop a like and a comment on all our videos to help our algorithm get pumping. You can find us on social media at Exit Fifty Two Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. Uh, our personal accounts are at jake luke on twitter that is l-o-u-q-u-e spencer is at ravens four dummies that's the number four in the middle there brian at barstool banks taylor at taylor smith 10 and eric at e-d-i-t-t-i 22 thank you guys for tuning in for another uh incident analysis victory sunday night and we will be back uh for jumbo set on wednesday and uh, another preview pod on friday keep this thing rolling see you are we good